listened to Anyway, That's All I Got, your weekly Cinemaholic spinoff where we talk about movies and <laughs> occasionally try to sound smart. I don't know why I did that weird thing, but anyways, <laughs> who the hell are you? I'm Anthony, and how are you doing? Do you come here often? I sure do. I would hope so. If you do come here often, thank you. You. Identif- Me. Identify yourself. Me. Uh, I'm Jason. I also can laugh like that. Try it. Ha. 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 Just, ha. You just open your, open your mouth and then you just ha. force some air out. <laughs> A little exhalation. One of, that was one of the weirdest intros we've ever done. That's all right. Yep. Uh, we have quite a bit to get to in this episode, so we're kind of just going to jump right into it. So last week, if you listened to our uh, nostalgia episode, I recommended the 1950s classic Harvey. In case you don't know, Harvey is the story of Elwood P. Dowd, a mild-mannered man who's under the impression that his best friend is a six-foot-tall giant rabbit. <laughs> Uh, lives with his aunt and I believe his cousin. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. A couple, couple of I'll family talk about members. her in a second. They, <laughs> <laughs> they find him to be kind of irritated because he's interfering with their social lives because he essentially like scares off house guests by, tri- <laughs> by introducing them to Harvey. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, he sees a rabbit. They just see a, a big blank area. So naturally they think he's, kind of insane and all they see is a disturbed strange little man Uh, but he's also the nicest man in the world he's the nicest guy (laughs) it's because it's jimmy stewart he's he's nice so he's uh he made me smile the whole way yeah like looking at his face because he's like he's like weirdly like licking his lips a lot he's like (laughs) and then i'll like go into a little smile yeah like lip lip lick he, smile. He's got a lot to be thankful for. He's nice in like a 1950s way. Mm-hmm. Everyone he meets yeah. is like, oh, you, re- you really should take one of my cards. Yeah. He gives him a, yeah. yeah. He's got cards. A business cards card. ready. Yeah. A big pile of them. Like a he's, lawyer. Yeah. The mailman stops by. He's like, mailman's like, it's a beautiful day. Every day is a beautiful day. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, man. This is too nice for me. That's some optimism right this here. Some serial killer nice. That's some real 1950s. Ooh. Ooh, theory. Uh, Maybe. Oh, interesting. Harvey's his accomplice. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's that's some real Americana stuff. Yeah. It's all underneath the surface. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, his family member gets fed up and they try to send Elwood to the to the local mental hospital. And uh, because it's a comedy, everything goes horribly wrong, or does it? Mm, mm, very, very interesting. Very interesting to think about. Anthony, you've seen this already. I have. You Jason, have seen this. I have okay. seen this. Because I recommended it to you. Yes, a while ago. Jason, you watched this, this yes. last night. Yes. So give us some of your general thoughts, Jason. What do you think of I, I really loved it. I, I had problems with it, but I'm that's just because... I'm, I'm going to get picky with the recommendations every every week, or I'm going to find something that I don't like about it. Something you, you didn't really find anything. I don't know if I said anything about that. Yeah. But I guess this isn't, these aren't like negatives about it, but I just like to talk about them. Okay. Myrtle, the cousin. Yes. Is it cousin? I believe so, yeah. Uh, I thought that was Tilda Swinton. <laughs> I, I, okay. I know it's from the 50s. I honestly thought it was Tilda Swinton for a good 10 minutes and then realized, Oh, this is from the fifties. That's impossible. She's that good. She's yeah. that good. <laughs> Professional. Uh, Tilda Swinton in person. Yes. You, you get to know everyone's name really quick yes. in the movie because every sentence <laughs> they say the name and I loved it. Yeah. And direct address. It's called mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, Oh, and they have some great names in it too. They do. Yes. Uh, Miss, 
Miss, oh, well, like some of the party guests at the beginning. Oh, yeah. Miss <laughs> Tewksbury. <laughs> Wonderful. Miss, now I might be wrong on this one, but I believe it was Miss. To hell with it. Miss Snickleburger. <laughs> <laughs> How whimsical. I believe, that sounds like something that being a Wes Anderson movie. Oh, <laughs> Little little peek ahead. Why would you? <laughs> no, we're reason. talking about Harvey. Of course. <laughs> yeah, it's not um, like they read the title of the episode. Oh, yeah, or forgot, heard the sneak peek at last week's episode. I forget there's titles. <laughs> anyway, you forget a lot of things. I forget a lot of things. Uh, okay. We we should mention uh, it is based on Mary Chase's stage play of the same the name, Pulitzer Prize winner, which I have seen. By the way, I've seen really? a production of it. It's very good. Very the one I saw at least was very well done, and it has all the telltale signs of a of a Broadway play. It's you know three central locations, somewhat small cast of characters. It's all dialogue driven. If you look at just the bare bones premise of it, man thinks he has a giant rabbit for a friend. Perfect premise for a superficial screwball comedy, you yeah. know. But this movie is something more than that. Yes. Um, what do you mean by that? Okay, I'll tell you what I mean, Jason. Okay. Don't be so confrontational <laughs> with me right now. Relax, um, everybody. What you see throughout the movie is that, as we mentioned before, Elwood is the nicest guy on planet Earth. And everyone else is really mean to him and really condescending to him. And they really look down on him. And yet they're all making complete fools of themselves <laughs> throughout the entire movie. And you realize as it goes on that this is sort of a metaphor for like tolerance and uh, specifically sort of that bourgeois intolerance of everyone has to act proper and fancy or else you don't belong with us. You know that you might have noticed that really loud noise. I don't know what <laughs> oh, that was. Scared me. That's OK. Yeah. We are in a different room. So if we sound a little bit different, uh, that's why we should have mentioned that up top. But yeah, anyways, uh, what was I talking about? Forget. Tolerance. Uh, bourgeois. Bourgeois. Tolerance. Wee oui, wee. Oui. Yes. Bougie. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a really great allegory for that. Um, I think, and it's understated. It's never explicitly said. I think very, there's a lot of really, really great subtext, and not, it's just, it's just funny. Yeah. It's, it's just yeah. That's that's my favorite part about you know the, some of the greatest movies ever are they have their messages they have their themes but they they don't forget to entertain you and this movie does not forget to entertain you absolutely yeah there's a you see throughout a couple of scenes in the movie that Elwood likes to frequent this local pub mm-hmm. there's a scene later on in the movie where he gives this speech that's like one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen it's so great you find out his entire character I'm not going to give it away in case you haven't seen it, but it's it's wonderful. I think it's some of Jimmy Stewart's best work, some of his most underrated work, at least. Anyways, so overall, you're positive. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Great movie. Awesome. I'm like I'm curious. Uh, I'm curious if people actually enjoy this segment. No. no. Please let us know. <laughs> yeah, tell us. Are we wasting our time and yours? Because if you are, please tell us. Like we will. We have no emotional connection to this. We won't waste any more time. We will cut it out anymore in a heartbeat. yours or our time because believe me it's caused some stress yeah we're just trying to get some uh, fan involvement <laughs> a little bit yeah <laughs> so anyways lastly let's spend a whole hell of a long time talking about this wes anderson we're gonna try out a format that i've really been wanting to do on a podcast for a long time which is we're doing sort of a broad chronological overview of a filmmaker's 
um, work. And we're not going to give any sort of ranking or everything. We will mention along the way which ones we like. But we're going to talk about every Wes Anderson movie from Bottle Rocket to Isle of Dogs, all nine of them. We won't mention all the shorts, but we will mention a couple of them. We're just sort of going to just spend some time figuring this guy out. Because there's a lot to figure out, Yes, believe it or not. I, I feel like I think we're going to have an interesting series of conversations because we have some ver- we have various opinions on this man, and uh, not all of them might be the most popular opinion you were thinking of. So this is sure to be a very hopefully insightful conversation, hopefully enjoyable, um, and hopefully you learned something too. I mean, I know that's asking for a lot, but <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about Wes Anderson just in general for a little bit because he's had a long, pretty interesting career so far i don't know if you've seen any interviews with him but he is a very uh, eccentric man he, he's exactly like how his movies are <laughs> yeah exactly he, like you watch his movies pretty and incredible. you picture who made this that guy made this yeah, yeah and then it totally makes sense i don't know if you guys saw the mastercard yeah thing yeah. which is a, i guess a short film yeah it's a commercial um, it's a commercial it, yeah that's just how i imagine him like talking all the time <laughs> yeah. how he yeah. just acts all the time he did a MasterCard commercial in like 2004 I mm-hmm. think where he's directing like a fake movie that doesn't exist or something yeah and uh, I don't think he'd had to do much acting I think that was just how he I think that was just him yeah yeah. just sort of going around very calmly just sort of knows exactly yeah. what he wants to see it's pretty great and will go to any length yeah. to get it um and his career doesn't really show any sign of slowing down, honestly. He's been going consistently since the mid-90s. I think the longest gap between two of his movies is, I believe, four years. Uh, Grand Budapest to Isle of Dogs. Yeah, because that's yeah. how long it takes to make a stop-motion movie. Yeah. Very very painstaking work. What painstaking was payoff. What was it before Fantastic Mr. Fox? Uh, Darjeeling, which was two well, years yeah, earlier. Oh, that was only two years? Okay. Yeah. So it's probably, short, probably short working short. at it at the same time. We'll, we'll get to all those in, yeah. in due time. But when I say consistently, that is all-encompassing. A lot of people have observed and remarked very smartly that he kind of makes the same movie over and over again. On the surface, yeah. You know, I, stylistically, that's, yeah. that's fair. Stylistically, <clears throat> for sure, aesthetically. Yeah. Um, I do think they're all about different things, though. They all have something different on their minds, you know, which I admire that, not just repeating the same philosophies over and over again. You'll see motifs, obviously, like uh, dysfunctional families and uh, obviously the visual style, which many people have commented on and parodied. Hands, zooms. Yeah, all sorts of static, flat flat shots, muted colors. Crazy sets. You all know the drill. And even what's more than just the visuals, just the dialogue. It's all very quaint, very twee, very matter-of-fact. Monotone deliveries. Monotone, uh, with few exceptions. And A couple. When it strays from that, it, it, can, it, it tends it to be matters. very funny. It matters. Uh, the rhythm and like the attitude between all of the characters is always like heightened and noticeable. It's like you watch, you watch a Wes Anderson movie, you're like, these aren't real people. I'm fine with that. Because he has this very like storybook kind of mentality, you know. A couple of the movies literally, literally open with a book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Yeah, we'll we'll get into some some of the specific recurrences, but uh, it's all very consistent. Right down to use the same cast members over and yep. over again. There's the Wes Anderson alumni group. There's not very many like one-off performances, you know. I mean, who do you got? You got Ray Fiennes, uh, Kate Blanchett. 
Gene Hackman, um, Bruce Willis, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, Olivia Williams, George Clooney. There's only a handful of them. The rest of them have been in at least two of them. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. apparently he's very, you know, very nice to work with. Very fun. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep, yes. She, she was only in Mr. Fox. Uh, he seems like really nice and easy to work with. Uh, very collaborative. So in doing research for this episode, I watched all nine of these consecutively in rapid succession. Whoa. And uh, <laughs> I watched all of them except Isle of Dogs because no theaters playing. I live within 15 minutes of four theaters and none of them were playing it. Apparently, it's it claims it's in wide release. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. It says it's in wide release now? Sort of, yeah. Okay. We The reason we're doing this... Wide release, release will be... Uh, on April 10th, I believe. Oh, okay. The actual live release. Yeah. We're we're doing this a couple of weeks after the official release date because, uh, frankly, we don't live in an important state. <laughs> and so we don't get these wide release movies until a couple of weeks later. Yeah. It's not nearly as bad as, like, other countries or anything. But uh, that's kind of a, that's just kind of what we have to come to terms with. Watching these all consecutively, I feel like I've gained a certain perspective on sort of the evolution. Right down to the fact, I think... Um, there's a very, very clear turning point in his career where after of, Bottle Rocket? <laughs> no. Well, that, but there's a there's a better one, right around the halfway point where there was kind of a dramatic shift in the storytelling. I'll get to that eventually, sometime around the year 2004. For now, let's start where anyone would at the beginning. All directors have them shorts. <laughs> they're they're beginning short. That's correct. Yes. Uh, Wes Anderson went to college at the University of Texas at Austin, where he met the Wilson brothers, most notably Owen and Luke. Sorry, Andrew. You're not as <laughs> you're not as well known. You know, Andrew there's Wilson. a third Wilson. Man. I know. And, he, know. and he, he has cameo roles in a couple of these movies. Really? Yeah. Yeah. In I feel like there's, a, there's some Coppola cameos, too. Yeah. yeah. A couple. Because. Well, Schwartzman's a Coppola. Yeah, Schwartzman. Yeah, I know. I've looked into all of this stuff. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage is the, yet to be in a Wes Anderson. Yeah, movie. but he's part of the family. He is. Yeah, absolutely. Sadly, Nicholas Cage Coppola. is a Coppola. You guys kind of scare me. Yeah. Just I'd like to see a reality you're show. You're in, I watch keeping that. up with the Coppola. Yeah. <gasps> but it's all with seats. Yes. <laughs> keeping with the seat. That's wonderful. Um, anyways, yes. Uh, so they met the Wilson brothers that began a lifelong collaboration that's held up until this day. And in 1992, they filmed a short called bottle rocket. They sure did. Which is about 10 minutes long. And, uh, you know, it's fine. Yeah. It's not. I hate it. I know. (laughs) I, I kind of liked it. Um, it reminded me of some, uh, some kind of like French new wave a bit. And then like some early Jim Jarmusch stuff. Interesting. Uh, I mean, the dialogue is a little less interesting than Jim Jarmusch movies, but I, I still thought it was fun. I, yeah. At the very least, it's short. Yeah, in it's and short. out. You just you don't have to suffer with it for too long. Not like its follow up. And if you don't like this, if you don't, <laughs> I haven't seen that one, but I'm yeah. sure you'll, you're going to rip into it in a second. A little Indeed. Bit. Um, if if you don't like the story, just watch it to see the to see young young Wilson young Wilson. Yes, yes, very young. Very, yeah, very young. It's kind of it's. They're, they're like in their early twenties at yeah. this point. 
It's so weird. They both sound the exact same. Exactly. Like, now exact. you can kind of hear a bit of a difference between them. They're aging now, yeah. Yeah. But especially then, Luke, then Luke they sounded the exact same. And yeah. you know what's funny? I was thinking about this. Have they ever actually played brothers? I was thinking about that. Like, they always play characters from a different family. That's so weird. Yeah. Because they I talk guess, alike, yeah. they look alike. Which made me, it was it was weird. And we'll, we'll, I'll talk about it later when we get to it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure we've said that sentence. Yeah. Like ten times this episode. Yeah. Well, a lot of teasing. We'll get into it. A lot of teasing in this episode. Yeah. All in due time. I'm making a mystical motion with my fingers right now. <laughs> All in due time. Um, yeah, the short, you know. It, there's not a whole lot to it. It's like a regular sort of student yeah. short. I, they made it like right around the time they graduated from the university. So, you know, there's a lot worse out there, I yeah. suppose. Uh, but this was premiered at, I believe, Sundance, a big film festival. And some studio execs saw it and they liked it so much they decided to fund um, a feature-length follow-up to this an adaptation of the same story because this is the mid nineties, you know, this is part of the big indie boom and everything. Cause movies like do the right thing and sex lies and videotape motivated studios to give opportunities to, uh, first time filmmakers, you know, unexperienced, uh, newcomers to the field and sort of prove themselves and see what they are capable of. And so naturally they saw the short, they're like, Hey, let's give that, uh, let's give this Anderson kid a shot. And they did. And now we have Bottle Rocket. <laughs> mm. I honestly didn't want to watch like a full length. I, I like the sh- short fine, but I yeah. just had no interest in watching the full length Me version of it. neither. Yes. But still, I watched, I watched it anyway. <laughs> so real quick, what it's about. It's a, a trio of young men who have no idea what to do with their lives. They decide to have some fun and commit a series of petty crimes. Mm-hmm. And they spend a good portion of the movie laying low at a motel. And Luke Wilson falls in love with one of the cleaners at the motel. And there's a bigger picture with James Caan. Yes. Whoa. He's in the movie. I don't think that's a <laughs> lateral move. You don't go from unknown to James Caan is in your movie. That's the mid-90s for you, though. Uh, I think you can see where we're going with this. This yes. movie is cluttered as hell. It it's is. so unfocused. No, it's, I really didn't like it. And it's and I know it does have a cult following, as with pretty much all of these movies. Uh Except for Isla Dogs, which is bound to get one eventually. Uh, it does have a cult following, which, you know, okay, that's fine. I can kind of see it. It's like, that's really what it is. If Structurally, it just does not hold any water whatsoever. It doesn't know who to focus on between Owen and Luke Wilson. Because Luke Wilson's a much more interesting character. Yeah, but he see, it seems like he's going to be the lead. For a good portion of the movie, yeah. you think it's, it's going to follow him and, yeah. and this love story. They ditch that yeah. like a halfway into yeah, the movie. Yeah, it kind of turns into Owen's story. So the dilemma is that Luke Wilson is a more interesting character, but Owen Wilson was the co-writer of the movie. Exactly. So it's like he's giving himself more screen time. Uh, he co-wrote all of these first three with Wes Anderson. So you'll notice in this and in the Royal Tenenbaums, he kind of kind of gets more screen time than maybe he deserves. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I think I need another scene. I need another scene right here. Wow. wow. Oh, that joke's been done. I, know, I, I honestly never get bored of it. <laughs> Owen Wilson, wow. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, there's just too much, too much Dignan. Yeah. Which is Owen's character's name. 
too much Dignan. And what the movie really boils down to by the end is, oh boy, that Dignan, what a character. <laughs> pretty much. That's pretty much the whole <laughs> message of the movie. Because it's, it's like, it just kind of wraps it up. It like, totally wraps it up, totally it. abruptly. It has no definitive conclusion. It's like, it's, it's very obvious that this is there's a no, short yeah. ex- being expanded into feature There's length. not really much of a point to their actions throughout the movie. Yeah, there's no smoothing over of the seams. And you can take that as intentional. Like, oh, they, they don't know what to do with their lives. They're meandering around. It's like, okay, fine. That doesn't make for an interesting movie. Right. I don't know what I'm supposed to be focusing on. And apparently neither does the movie. Exactly. It's so funny. We're, we're like, we're kind of bashing on this. Most people just kind of like it, really. Well, uh, I would like to have a little disclaimer. Okay. I we should have done this before. Right? Do not love Wes Anderson. Right. And this is, uh, I get into a lot of arguments about this. But I think he's fairly mediocre. But that being said, I, w- I want to acknowledge that I do appreciate why people do like him. I think he is talented. I think he is a good director and a good writer. And I think his movies, they all have stuff to enjoy. I just don't like them. <laughs> and I'll, when we'll go through each movie, I'll explain a little bit why. I'm not going to just you know rip on him the whole episode. I do like parts. Yeah. I did not like Bottle Rocket, though. <laughs> no, me neither. This movie, nothing happens in this movie. and I, I, I Oh, think, stuff happens. It just doesn't mean anything. Exactly. I think <laughs> I think this movie is highly rated on like fan websites just because it's Wes Anderson. And I think a lot of his movies have that. I, do, you, do, you, do you guys get me why there's a cult following for it? I, do, I do. I do. Why? It's, it's what I mentioned earlier. It's that whole, what do I do with my life thing? It's the whole finding yourself story. No, there are lots of movies like that. I don't I think, think this, it's, a, I don't I think, think it's a good one, but I think that is what people sort is, of, I think it's, I think I it's that. just the, I think it's just the fact that, ooh, I've liked Wes Anderson from the beginning, that kind of thing. And also something that will kind of recur throughout a couple of these movies. It's, the content within the movie itself is easy to construct a fan base around. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, there's enough quirks in the movie. And by the way, we should mention, um, this is Wes's first movie. It doesn't look like one. No. It sounds like a Wes Anderson movie, but he had not had that trademark style no, it, yet. It definitely didn't look. Yeah. It didn't have the, the color palette. The symmetry. Yeah, the symmetry. That's, yeah, that's uh, what was weird for me when I saw the short. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the obviously he's not going to have, you know... No budget, no. Like, rigs. Right. To do, <laughs> in, like... No mini cheese. crazy, just sweeps through a field. Yeah. Or something. Like he he took a little that. while to settle into his style, but yeah. here it was sort of in its infancy. But yeah, it's, it's easy to construct a fan base around. I can see why people would enjoy the character of Dignan and just think, oh, he's crazy. I like that character. Because, you know, it's crazy uh, characters. I think, I think all of... All of their characters have been done better before. Yeah. And in fact, the third one, who we haven't even mentioned yet, besides Owen and Luke Wilson, there's this third Bob, Bob, Bob. Robert Musgrave, who you can tell that actor does not want to be there whatsoever. No. Because he was barely in the short. Barely in the short. He had like one scene, right? It's a gun scene. Yeah. He had had one like one scene. Yeah. He's the guy with the car. Pretty much. That's all he is. And you can tell that he's kind of just doing this because he was in the short. Did they say nice driving to him in the movie? I believe so. Yeah. I might That's be the wrong. The only thing I remember about Bob is like, hey, Bob, nice driving. I'm like, all right, see you, Bob. And that actor, Robert Musgrave, has not done pretty much anything since Bottle Rocket. So I bet he kind of regrets that, <laughs> weirdly. He could have gotten in this uh, in this Wes Anderson club, but uh, 
who, who the knows? Club. Who knows how it might have turned out if if he had uh, kept going? But yeah, overall, not a fan. Nope. Like I can see why people like it. I don't at all. Don't like There's it. a couple of funny parts. Just a couple. Mm-hmm. It's it's charming occasionally. Again, there are hints of a good story with Luke Wilson. Yeah, I, it never I just, goes I, anywhere. I found it all to be quite boring. Yeah, it's just a tedious movie, you know. Not even James Caan is interesting to watch. No, he couldn't save it. Sonny from The Godfather. The whole heist at the end of the movie, there's no tension or anything? No, I I didn't even know the heist was going on. It was so... (laughs) I was was like, there's no urgency at all to this story. Yeah. There's, you know, I mean... It's meant to be just sort of... Just goofy, really. I guess. I guess. Uh, Didn't didn't work for us, apparently. Uh, Oh, well. Can't, can't be all things to all people. But, you know, critics and fans generally approved of it. In fact, uh, Martin Scorsese called it one of the best movies of the 90s, believe it or not. He put it at number seven on the top ten. that? Which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I would love to hear Scorsese talk about this because he's gone on record plenty. Let's invite him on the show. I'd be, hey, Marty, there's your formal <laughs> listening, invitation. Feel free. Um, yeah, if the, he ever showed up, I feel like we wouldn't talk to him. No, we'd, <laughs> they would just be dead like, silent uh, looking at him. So, uh, remember when you did Taxi Driver? <laughs> how how how, how, cool. how good was that? What does Robert De Niro's armpit smell like? <laughs> is it awesome? <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> Anyways, off of that weird tangent. <laughs> so Bottle Rocket, you know, people liked it enough. It was a good first effort, or so people thought at the yeah, time. Yeah, I, I, I agree. The intent, the intent is clear. I can see what they're going for. I don't think they achieved it, but I can see it. And it's just quirky enough to sort of set itself apart. That's the thing. It's like, it's an indie movie, but it does have the Wes Anderson feel to it in yeah, terms of the dialogue. I guess. So it's kind of different, weirdly. It feels like they put more, see, because they put more effort into the dialogue. Yeah. And because he wasn't focused on, Ooh, let's, what, what kind of quirky thing can I do with this image? It's how can we write the best dialogue here? It succeeded in that ways, and so he was able to make another movie, his sophomore effort, if you will. I'm not That's laughing. true, yes. Yes, thank you, Jason. <laughs> that is, that is. I, would, I would like to be on the say. record that I am not laughing. Okay. Uh, we're, talking like about, we're talking about Rushmore, which came out two years later in 1998. Uh, Anthony, tell us a little bit about Rushmore. All righty then. So, Jason Schwartzman plays a student right. named Max Fisher. Who, Very convincing. He's, uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, he's, he's pretty smart, and he, but he's really socially unaware. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's not emotionally mature. Definitely not. He's very, you know, he's maturing. And uh, he, he, he likes to produce these really elaborate plays. And uh, it's, it's all <laughs> like, there's, it's, yeah. there, it's pretty, that's my favorite part yeah. of the plays. But and then he go, he he goes to this school called uh, Rushmore, and it's mm-hmm. the name of the movie, which is like a prep school. It's private school, yeah. It's you know ritzy. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> by the way, Wes Anderson's actual high school that he went to. How about well, that? That's probably why he yeah. did that. There you go. Cool, mm-hmm. cool. All right. So his his whole life is in that school, and then he gets put on like academic probation, mm-hmm. and then his life ruined very dramatic. Yes. And but then, oh, a little hope. He falls in love with a teacher, one of the teachers there, uh, played by Olivia Williams, MVP. Yeah, and she, uh, probably my favorite part of the movie. Yep. Sorry, Bill. Bill. Um, and then <laughs> who comes I'm sticking in? with Bill? That's my favorite part. <laughs> and then actually, Bill? no, Jason Schwartzman. Really? Yeah. I is, love, it, is it I because like his name is Jason? I, part of it, yeah. He no, was. I he was really good. I love Jason. Schwartzman he was good in it. In, I think everything he's ever done. Yeah. Interesting. 
I love it. Anyway, yeah. Bill Murray comes in. He also falls in love with the teacher. Yep. They have they kind of have like a you know almost a contest to vie for her attention. He plays a guy named Bloom. Yes, Herman Bloom. Herman Bloom. He looks like a Herman. He does. I can see him being a Herman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I thought. I also didn't love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. I, I Why think, do you say that? I think I gave it three out of five. Okay. Which it means I liked it. You know, it's, it's, it was it, it, it entertained me. I enjoyed it enough. It didn't ruin your day. No, definitely not. And but I, I'm not. It's not memorable to me. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. What? Okay. So I, it's been a long time since I've seen this, but from I what I remember, it's in my top three favorite Wes Anderson movies. Yeah. I I love it. Yeah. I most of it's because of Jason Schwartzman. Yes. He was he's he's very charming in this yeah, movie. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And you know, he's got little parts in in other movies, but I think this, he has the most screen time in this one. He's most known for working with Wes Anderson and this is the role that many people kind of associate him with. Yeah. Um, cuz like he's in he's one of the brothers in in Darjeeling. Yes, yes, he is. I haven't seen that one, so I don't know how Which believe it or not, we will get to later. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> um Yes, and uh, it's funny. Jason Schwartzman, his character is fifteen. He does not look fifteen. No, no. But really. he pulls off the it. persona. Yeah, yeah. he's short perfect. enough. You know, he's short. He's got this these goofy glasses and these braces in. His little smirk. This like really badly combed yeah. hair, mm-hmm. uh, which I can relate to, by the way. Um, <laughs> and he pulls off the persona perfectly. I think he really did of this person Good who's like work. really proactive he's he's the president of i i counted i think it's 14 extracurricular activities yeah it's like beekeeping society <laughs> beekeeping fencing yeah. cartwheels or whatever um that little montage is amazing yeah it is yeah because it's just silly it's just yeah. off the wall it's yeah. like how many possible clubs can he be the president of turns out some dozen or so he pulls off the persona perfectly of like someone who is very enterprising and very, you know, like you, you, you look at his character and you're like, okay, he's going to be successful as an adult. Mm-hmm. It's one of those. He's very forthright and yes. very like, uh, emotionally unstable yes. as you see throughout the movie. I think one of the first lines he says to Olivia Williams is, Oh, we both have dead people in our families. Mm-hmm. It's like smooth, Jason. There you go. Very smooth. In my opinion, this is a clear shift in quality from Bottle Rocket. Uh, very apparent. Yes, yeah, a little bit more, a little bit more West. A little bit more focus too. Yeah. It's on one person with, with a handful of really good side characters and they're interesting characters. All these secondary characters, they're fun to watch, I think. And this this movie is much more confidently made. It is. It's clearly meant to be feature length. It was always intended. Apparently, this was written well before Bottle Rocket was made in like the early 90s, I think. So Wes had been mulling this idea over for a good decade. Mm-hmm. And it definitely shows. It's very well thought out. And it's easier to latch onto. Yeah, it, it definitely well. had a good script. It's good to relate to because generally speaking, we've all been to some sort of school at least yeah. if not high school itself um there was another really jarring noise we <laughs> apologize for that we're in a we're in guerrilla warfare at the moment and wes had kind of proven his capability to the general public and was given like more opportunity to kind of play around and that's why he was able to get bill murray you know yeah who was the get of this movie really yeah really he is he's the biggest draw i guess at the time uh-huh. i i really dislike bill murray when he's not comedies and yes Wes Anderson movies are comedies they're not really comedies 
I don't think they are. <laughs> I think just because they have a couple chuckles and they're whimsical, I don't think they're comedies. And I think Bill Murray has been ruined forever. <laughs> Savage. I know, right? I'm, yeah. crazy. I'm crazy. We, I, I can kind of agree with that. I don't think he's ruined. I, I enjoy Bill Murray in this movie, especially. Eh, I, yeah. I think that that kind of humor really speaks to me, that just dry, really just weary humor of someone who just hates everything. Yeah. <laughs> I think Bill Murray and in fact when it the came out diving scene. the diving great. scene is great he's just staying underwater for a prolonged period of time I love when his kids lock him out of the car and he leans down and is that just like good. unlock it that was good I enjoyed that <laughs> it's like this close up on Bill Murray's face I think I think it's fun to watch um, yeah Yep. And, you know, it, it's appealing because it's not about the fun of high school. It's about kind of those sucky things about high school, frankly. Uh, it's told in, like, hindsight. It doesn't make this – it doesn't make Max a hero. Definitely not. He, he definitely learns his lesson. He's taken know. to task for the really obnoxious things he does. Yeah, and he, and he gets punched in the face. Rightfully so. And he deserved it, and – he realized that he deserved it. He gets stuff thrown at him by a crowd of children. Yes. For One of them dressed as the sorcerer from Fantasia. Right. Dirk Calloway, great character in the movie. He is a good character. Uh, but the best character is Olivia Williams, honestly, I think. Uh, she's suddenly thrust into this love triangle mm-hmm. through no fault of her own. And you can tell she's trying to humor these two characters, but gets annoyed at them rightfully right. so and I really I think it's it's a shame they uh, she never worked with Wes again mm-hmm. although there is a deleted scene from the Royal Tenenbaums where she got a cameo role oh nice yeah. uh, it's not that memorable but hey it, it happened to me this is an artist settling into their niche you know yeah he's, he's coming into his own they're figuring out what they're good at and I think it's not bad could be a lot worse honestly and it's just it's that universal story of ego and yeah, being a high schooler, thinking you're ready to take on the world. Thinking you're the great at, you're greatest at everything. And you, you already know everything you need to know. But you haven't had the valuable life experiences exactly. that teach you important things. Can't learn everything from a book. Well, speaking of books, let's talk about the Royal Tenenbaums. You're welcome for that setup. I Did you do that on purpose? No. Okay, well, thank you, you guys, anyways. You guys go for it. So my opinions on this movie, it, it's pretty good. It's fine. Yeah. I... People, people love this one. Mm-hmm. Get into it. I do. Get uh, this is my There's personal favorite. a lot to say from me. It came out in 2001, and forgive me for not speaking with Alec Baldwin's voice, but I'm going to tell you the plot of the movie. Uh, so the Tenenbaums are a family of child prodigies, but due to the negligence of their father, Royal, uh, and their strained family life, they never really make much of their lives, unfortunately. And... Uh, at this the point the story starts they're all grown up and royal uh wants desperately to make amends and redeem himself for his family before it's too late this is my personal favorite as i mentioned earlier mine too i really think it's you know you've gotten two tries and the third time was definitely the charm yeah it's just enough wes anderson style it definitely has his style and it's interesting it is i think best character work yeah, it's it's this huge ensemble cast of characters, and they're all so entertaining and mm-hmm. and different, you know, well written, complex, and there's a lot of them. They're yeah. storybook characters, you know. In some ways, you can look at them as archetypes, but I think it just works. 
there's enough there's enough life given to them by the actors who are all trying their damnedest to deliver a great story and by god did they succeed i mentioned storybook it literally starts with a book it plants that idea in the viewer's head right off the bat that like okay this is sort of a fantasy world and in fact the color palette it's very like you know very pink very pastel um this is something that Wes would kind of expound upon in uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, but here it's very sort of understated and very interesting to watch. That's the word I keep using. It's interesting. I just like watching this movie. I, well, I think it's the uniqueness. It's the we, we've never seen this before. I've never seen a family drama told through this lens. Exactly, and it's with these characters, like mm-hmm. they're they're good characters, and he, you know the the opening where they go through the the kids' lives where they're like. Oh, uh, she produces all these plays, and he runs a business, and then they show yeah. like it's funny to They're see like all 10 these, these ten year olds like he's he's in a suit and, and he's in a shot with a BB gun. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to do it. Now. You did a gr- do that again. He was shot with a BB gun. Damn, that's, that's pretty that's good. Not bad. That's pretty good. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love it. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, there you go. That's great, Jason. I really should have let you do this one, but that's okay. But it is very fantastical. You know, it that's, is. That's the thing because the first two are relatively grounded. They are definitely, know? and this is this is his. I think this is his first Wes Anderson movie for sure. Yeah, yeah. Rushmore a little bit. You can kind of see the seeds of, yeah. of some of the later yeah, aesthetics. This, that would this develop. is what became. You know, he became an auteur after mm-hmm. this. My favorite opening. Wes Anderson. I, movie. I agree. It's the played whole, the, the whole opening, the harpsichord version of "Hey Jude." Yeah. It's a really intimate, effective family story, and like, and it's about how much influence do the parents have on the success of the children? Turns out, quite a bit. Royal is really kind of a terrible person in definitely, a lot of ways. Definitely, but he's noble in his endeavor to. Fix it, and you can see he doesn't flip on a dime and become a good person. No, he, he still screws stuff up. Yeah, and even when you think he's switching, he's not. Yeah, but he still has the best intentions in mind. Yeah, and he just wants Eventually. to be a good dad. It's there's there's at least one character for everyone to to relate to. Um, a lot of people consider this among the top three. It's I would our personal favorite for sure. Yes, uh, this is one of my favorite movies probably ever. Honestly. I I definitely enjoyed this the most out of all of his. The movies. only problem, or my only big problem at least, is Owen Wilson. Surprise, surprise! He has too big of a role because he co-wrote it. Oh, he co-wrote Owen. the movie. He did. Yes, good for him. <laughs> good for him. Good for him. Decrease your own role a little bit, Owen. They never. They didn't co-write anything after this. After that, this was the last time. Uh, do you think you think Owen is the reason that it's so good? Maybe it could be. <laughs> oh, if if buddy. only if only he had tempered his ego a little bit. Uh, I'm being mean to Owen. Wilson. I'm sorry. I don't I don't hate Owen. Owen, Wilson. we love you. I love you. At, at <laughs> oh, least. thank you. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. Speaking of too much Owen Wilson, three years later, let's talk about the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. You want to hear the synopsis? Go for it. Okay. I'll tell you, Jason. So it's about Steve Zissou and his aquatic life. So Steve Zissou, Bill Murray, is this marine sort of documentary filmmaker who goes out to sea and catches sharks and stuff. And uh, at the beginning of the movie, you see in some like archive footage that one of his crew members was eaten by, I believe, a leopard shark. Is that right? Something like that. Something like that. Some crazy, non-existent creature. This sort of makes him very distraught and very... Sort of, he, he just sort of realizes he starts to go through like a midlife crisis. He's like, "What am I doing? Is that what is this all for? 
I'm making it sound much simpler than it actually is. This is actually incredibly ridiculous. This one is weird. Oh yeah. Even is. for Wes That's Anderson, like is it, it goes full quirk. Full quirk. Full quirk. Whether there's motivation behind it or not, uh, it's really just hard to define. Like there's, there's, I, to try to explain the rest of the plot would be an exercise in futility <laughs> because it goes so many different places so quickly, so many weird places. Uh, it's just so hard to figure out. The rest of them, it's easy to follow along with. Even though Bottle Rocket is all over the place, it's easy to follow. It's fairly simple. I suppose. This one tends to come off as just nonsensical. And it all comes down to a question of, do you enjoy that nonsense or not? No. And apparently, Jason, you do. Oh, I mean, you guys know I enjoy nonsense. Well, yes. Yes. Obviously. Um, I will say it's a, a bit convoluted. I don't think it's as crazy as you guys are putting it out to be. Okay. I didn't have trouble following it. Um, <laughs> but when I say hard to follow, I mean, it's not like you don't know what's happening on screen. You just don't know why it's happening. Oh, yes, okay. definitely. It's it's just so strange. It's like he, yeah, I, guess, I think he, to me it was like he was testing. Yeah, so like, many how, weird hey, ideas. How weird can I get just for the sake of weird? Ooh, let's get Jeff Goldblum to be yeah. a, a rival scientist roaming the ocean. And that, yes. that's a lot of what I don't like about Wes Anderson. It's the weird for the sake of weird. Mm-hmm. A lot. I think a lot of his weirdness doesn't have a purpose. Yeah. Some of it, it does. Some of it, it definitely does. Some of the newer stuff. So, and, and, and I can tell it because it feels genuine, a lot of it. But I, I, I didn't feel genuine coming from uh, Steve Zissou. But this, like Bottle Rocket, is easy to construct a fan base around. Like, this movie would be easy to, like, get a, get a red hat or some sort of aquamarine uniform sort of and say, cult. I'm, I'm in Team Zissou. Hooray. Because, you know, it's, it's just it's fine. Whatever. I find it to be occasionally entertaining, I suppose. I thought it was entertaining. I mean, it definitely slows down. Okay. But in my opinion, all of his movies around midpoint, they always slow down Yeah, to me. They're all very fast-paced first, first and third and acts. Then, yeah, and then the middle, it, it sometimes it's a little too much. I'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I really enjoy this one, and it's... Probably because of the bias. Yeah. That it's all David Bowie. It does play out like one of those mm-hmm. new lease on life stories where somebody's overcoming a rut in their life, which I think is why it's appealing to so many people on top of just that abject craziness of some of the stuff that happens in it. So that's, I, I can, I can understand why people enjoy it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. The ending just doesn't carry weight for me. I don't know what's been gained or what's been lost, I suppose. Um, and not in an intentional yeah. way. I think they were going for something that. that they didn't quite achieve, you know. But this right here, after this movie, this is the shift I was talking about where I went from one sensibility to another. Because up until, up through these first four that we've talked about, they all kind of play out in a somewhat similar way. It starts out with like uh, a setting, an establishing of the status quo. You know what I'm saying? Told via like some sort of montage or slideshow or voiceover narration. It says, this is what things are now. And then immediately a wrench is thrown into that. And the rest of the movie is trying to figure out how to get that wrench out of the problem. With this next movie, Wes is kind of playing with that structure a little bit. And of course, we're talking about the Darjeeling Limited. Anthony, what the hell is the Darjeeling Limited? I'm sitting out for this. Yeah. I should have suspected. (laughs) Um, So we got Owen Wilson, 
Adrian Brody and Jason Schwartzman. Mm-hmm. And they're three brothers, and they're traveling across India on a train called the Darjeeling Limited. Go figure. Hmm. I wonder where they got the title from. <laughs> and um, they're they're trying to bond with each other, and they're you know they're trying to. You know, it's all orchestrated by Owen Wilson, and, and he's trying to get them all to connect and have like a experience you know <laughs> and uh, it's it, it's all because uh, like it takes place like a year after their their father has just died so there's they're all kind of depressed and it's it's kind of, it's a, it's a soul searching journey it is it's like a story about kind of finding happiness again yeah and i enjoyed it uh, i i i i liked it in the beginning i thought it started off very very strong i loved the opening this is um, it started off is probably the funniest of his movies to me. I, I laughed a lot. Like, uh, how can you lose a train? It's on rails. <laughs> like, that's a great. It's 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 a clever movie. But in the middle, it really loses. It slows it's, way it, down. It it loses its focus a bit, and I don't think it could pick it up again for the. And then it kind of it never got back. Yeah. Even by the end. I agree with you, but I don't think it's a bad thing. See, what I think is that whereas Life Aquatic, in my opinion, was sort of pointlessly meandering, this is meandering for a reason. It's sort of them trying to find something that may or may not be there. Because Owen Wilson is trying is sort of trying to force yeah, spirituality. It, is, it does. He What he is doing does feel contrived, but on purpose. Yeah. Like, it may not be entertaining. You may not like it, but I do think there is intent behind the sudden shift in pacing and there's no real sort of status quo set up at the beginning of this movie it kind of thrusts you into the story with adrian brody appropriately this mm-hmm. was his first wes anderson movie so it makes sense yeah that he'd be kind of the one thrust into the situation having no idea what to do yes and he's sort of a conduit for the audience being sort of exhausted not really knowing what to make of this being frustrated with owen wilson i think that's part of the genius of this movie is that they cast owen wilson as the annoying guy yes not which, hard to do which many people perceive owen wilson to be is very kind of irritating occasionally for whatever reason you may agree you may disagree but that's what a lot of people see him as and so is very deliberate casting here mm-hmm. jason schwartzman is sort of just along for the ride you know yeah and they acknowledge it in the movies like, you've always been kind of a loner so wanted to bunk next door you know that kind of thing mm-hmm. he's sort of just going with the flow yeah he's, he goes off on his own quite often because he's a horny fellow <laughs> As we again see in the short. That's putting it very lightly. Yes, the short, Hotel Chevalier. Now, yes. I did see this. I actually really liked it. I, I mean, it was, it was... Me neither. It was very <laughs> simple. Um, I thought it was very beautiful. Hallie Portman's in it. Yeah. Plus, right away. <laughs> yeah. Even though it's not a fun short, I still had fun. I, it's just... Yeah. I see what you're saying. It's simple, you know, it's sort of quiet, it's sort of understated. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't see the point of it. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's the thing. I'm just sort of like, okay, what is... Well, okay, why so is this happening? movie. It, that doesn't come into play? No. No. Not she, really. them, no. Natalie Portman shows up for about four seconds. She, yeah, exa- and no lines, no nothing. We pan across her as she's in the, on, the, on the train in one of the cars. Yeah. Well, never mind. So, it, so it's not like it really gives any context to the bigger picture of the movie, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, is is that supposed to be? Is that supposed to take place before? I assume so. Yeah. Because uh, call me crazy, but she looked pregnant in the movie. Interesting. I don't know. I, maybe I'm. Maybe I just because it, it was she was there really quick. It was a real quick flash. But I don't know if she. Uh, maybe I'm crazy, but she looked. 
you might be crazy or you might be a genius. I, <gasps> I, I didn't even look at that. that might I think be. that's how most geniuses slash crazy people turn out to be. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, you could be right about that. But yeah, I do feel that it's, like you said, it's funny. And I think the balancing act between humor and drama, I think it works in this movie. Yes, it's a laid back movie. It's one of the better examples of sort of that balancing act where yeah. in some things I think it falls short. I think this is done very nicely. And it purposely reaches no definitive conclusion, really. It reminded me of uh, one of my favorite movies, Wim Wenders' Alice in the Cities, uh, where you're just sort of wandering around with nowhere to go and nothing to do, and that's kind of the beauty of it. It reminded me of that John Lennon quote, uh, life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans. Yes. you know, I have a mug with that saying on it. I'm a big Beatles fan. <laughs> And I do find it to be charming. I, f I think there's a definite arc and there's a definite transformation. Um, there's certainly some strange moments. Definitely. That, that don't really amount to much. Angelica Houston. Yeah. Uh, I think, I wouldn't say it doesn't amount to much, but I don't think it's executed very nicely. No, it's not. It's sort of underwhelming. Angelica Houston plays their mom, who's a nun in India. Doesn't contribute yeah, much to the not, story nothing really happens honestly it's like this is a good 45 minutes of material with an extra 45 just sort of sprinkled in right and only some of it's interesting yeah i, th I thought everything on the train was awesome mm -hmm. like i loved you know where they're fighting and uh, he sprays he's pepper sprays him that was a <laughs> great scene and then the snake stuff that i thought everything on the if the whole movie was the train i think it would have been perfect if they get off the train i lost interest mm -hmm. How much time are they on the train? About, about half the movie. About half the movie. Roughly. Yeah. Like the first half? First half of the movie. But the the funny thing is that most people are actually generally pretty positive towards a movie, like we are. Mm -hmm. But it's not really brought up when discussing yeah. Wes Anderson. It's not the first thing that comes to your mind. And I think that's because it was so different than what's come before. Yeah. The only, and what's come after. The only sort of context is a flashback at like the two-thirds point of the movie. Yeah. Other than that, it plays very straightforwardly yes. with just the Wes Anderson quirk. There's no sort of narrative gimmick given mm -hmm. to this. After Life Aquatic, it was just such a jarring transformation that people kind of viewed it as a breath of fresh air, but not much more than that. And to yeah. this day, it's not really brought up. I, I think it's one of his best, honestly. I agree. I put of my it favorites. at like number four, maybe three Probably or four. Probably my second favorite. Yeah. But it is much more straightforward. And I think that's why it doesn't stick with people. Mm -hmm. You know? It doesn't scream Wes Anderson in the way that a Definitely lot of these not. do. Yeah. Much like this one that we're about to talk about, which is the stop-motion animated Fantastic Mr. Fox. Anthony, oh, me again. take it All away. Right. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yes. What an interesting concept this movie is. Yeah, it is. Not much of a consistent or concise plot. <laughs> but here, here goes nothing. So way, to, way to show your hand. I'll do my best <laughs> to explain. Good uh, luck explaining this movie in a nutshell. Uh, so we got Mr. Fox, and he, he used to be, you know, a, a rebel, you know, screwing with the farmers. Back in his glory back days. Back in the old days. But he's got to stop doing that because uh, Mrs. Fox is pregnant, and they're going to have a baby, and it's a little cub. And then so he's got to stop being a, you know, farm raider. But he doesn't, and he, he <laughs> because he's kind of a selfish guy. His character, and he he's got to deal with the consequences, and uh, of of the vengeful farmers and their poorly aimed stormtrooper aimed <laughs> shotguns. They just can't hit anything, can they? Except a tail. 
Except and, uh, a tail. So now he's got to he's gotta <laughs> save his community, protect his family, you know, with all the all the other woodland animals. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that's pretty much you know That's the short version. Yeah, that's the short version. And it, you know, it's got George Clooney and Mr. Fox. Yep. Uh Meryl Streep does great as Mrs. Fox. Jason Schwartzman is back again as uh, their son Ash. Ash. Cool. And then, uh, we also got Bill Murray, Willem Dafoe, and Owen Wilson. <laughs> Will- Willem there. Dafoe plays like this Spanish guitar sort of rat character. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, is he a weasel? Rat. No, it's a rat. It's a rat. His name, right. his name in the movie is just Rat. Wes Anderson plays a weasel, mm-hmm. I believe, in the movie somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't like this movie. Yeah, this <laughs> this is one of the two most controversial discussions I think we're going to have. This and the following one after this one. But uh, I also am kind of bitter on this movie, honestly. I'm hoping Jason will bring some I, shuns, sunshine. No, I, I actually love love this movie a lot. Uh, yeah, probably because of the nostalgia of reading the book when I was little. And you I read the book. I think it's pretty faithful mm. to the book. Yeah, and yeah. That's it was just one of my favorite uh, stories as a child. Yeah. Just, just aesthetically, like reading the book, it was very nice. And okay. I think he captured it pretty well. Yeah, Roald Dahl is a good match for Wes Anderson. Yeah. Just the narrative style and what I believe is sort of visual style of some of Roald Dahl's illustrations. Yeah, Fantastic Mr. Fox is a very amusing movie, I think. And I think that's why people remember it so well is because it's just sort of a fun time. And on top of that, it's wonderfully animated. Yeah, the, the, stop, motion, the, way it the stop motion is great, and it's really fun to look at, mm-hmm. and the voice acting is great. <laughs> just The plot is awful. There is so much lot i hate it and it moves so fast that it's impossible to keep up with like it's so weird to see the things it decides to focus on yeah like in, in favor of other like his nephew or something right oh, yes christopherson. christopherson i found that to be wildly uninteresting uh-huh. yeah that, that that's and, sort of weird and christopherson's lab partner that's a whole subplot of the movie that is yeah. just takes up so much time you know you know structurally it's really easy to poke holes in it but I, I think what it's getting at overall is sort of a similar thing to Steve Zissou, which is that whole midlife crisis thing, you know, going back to the glory days. Yeah. What have I become? Yeah. That's there. I don't get that from the movie. Definitely not. I, I think I think they focus too much like, oh, how are we going to make this a stop motion and make it good and stuff? They didn't focus enough on writing the movie. And I think it shows. Yeah. It moves so quickly, and it's not even a long movie. It's like eighty minutes yeah, long, something like that. Yep. And it's so it has so much stuff that it's like it's it's impossible to follow along with the frantic story and also be invested in the characters. It's a problem a lot of these really fast paced movies have. And Wes Anderson is very fast paced. There's a lot of stuff going on in his movies. Yeah, it's weird. His, the, all the act, most of the actors deliver their lines very monotone but very fast-paced. Yeah. Which is you don't usually pair those two together. And I think that's part of what makes his you – know, it's, it's part of his appeal. It's fast-paced, but it never builds any momentum. Definitely. You know? Um, Jason, for God's sake, say something positive about this because we're um, sounding like a couple of sourpusses over here. I mean, I – I get that it's it's a lot of stuff happening, but I don't think that the stuff that is happening is bad. Like, yes, everything is rushed way too fast. I think it's under feature length time. Yeah. Part of that, I think, is because it's a children's movie, and I'm guessing that is it maybe though? that's something. I mean, I think that's it, an interesting it was marketed point. towards it, and I feel like that's 
may have some like there must have been studio interference or something that like yeah. he had to cut out some stuff or something because it it does jump a lot and yeah. the book doesn't really do that like the book mm-hmm. kind of takes its time for so being a short book you, too you've read the book mm-hmm. do they use the word cuss in the no book? that was okay. that was his that was all yeah. west and i yeah. hated that you didn't like that i, I love that i thought it was annoying and it's like okay yeah you Really clever with your cop out swearing here. Yeah, 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 shut the cuss up. Yeah, I was like, come on. I liked it. You know? <laughs> Are you cussing with me? That sounds great. <laughs> it sounds like some Ving Rames would say. You know? Yeah. Yeah, like like we like I said, it's amusing. It's got a lot of fun bits in it. It's got a lot of gags in it, a lot of visual. It's kinda it's kind of fun in the same way that like Zootopia is fun, where you got this world of animals. It's interesting to see like kind of the kind of the analogs they make to the human world. And I also think it's funny when you see these fox characters in relation to humans, because most of the time they're filmed up close. They look like they're our size, but you see them next to a human. They're really short. Yeah, I think that's I think that's kind of funny. They play with proportion. I like when they get up into that like sidecar motorcycle and a little tiny motorcycle comes out from behind it. I think that's fun. Again, it's it's a quick watch. There's some fun parts in it. Don't I don't think it holds up on repeat viewings. And Jason Schwartzman's really great as Ash. Yes. You seem to have a bias towards people named Jason, Jason. Yeah, a lot of people like this very much, and I think I can see why. You know, kids can enjoy it because it's animation, it's a lot of furry animals going around. Adults can enjoy it because they can latch onto the story of Mr. or Mrs. Fox. I get it. And for a while I, I was a fan of this movie, but watching it over and over again, you start to see the cracks in the armor, at least I do. It it just it just doesn't work after so many times for me. So that's just that's just me though. Let's move on to another potentially controversial conversation. Let's talk about Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom from the year 2012. A very large year for cinema. Jason, tell us about. I'll keep the synopsis short. Two young lovers, Shikusky, very young. Yes, Shikusky and Susie escape their lives to be with each other. But they are hunted down by literally everyone. <laughs> I said, I, I wrote down, everyone! Okay, <laughs> Jason Oldman. <laughs> yes. um, but they are hunted down by every actor you could name. That's correct, yes. <laughs> Pretty much. There's that sound There's again. There's that sound again. Oh, this podcast is the worst. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, this, um, this yeah. is Wes's most unusual movie, without a doubt. Stylistically, used to hate this. As did I. I currently don't like it. Okay. Stylistically, still good old Wes. Yep. It's still the same stuff you you know and love. Narratively, though, it doesn't have all the whimsy, which is weird because you think it does. Exactly. At first, it's there's no laughter. You you see something with a title like Moonrise Kingdom, and it's all these kids, and it's a summer camp. You think it's going to be some sort of bridge to Terabithia, like coming-of-age story. No. This is an unsettling, uncomfortable, paranoid I could only tell you that I laughed once, and that was at the beginning, Ed Norton stuff. Ed Norton's. Yes, yes, definitely. Ed Norton's amazing. Why would you build a treehouse out of that? It's confirmed death. (laughs) Just that whole scene. That's like right out of like a Dr. Seuss Yeah, I thought that was good. Yeah, but I thought this was his most pretentious movie. Yes, just in a, in a just good or a bad way. bad way because it's so in your face with how weird it is. I, I agree with you. Yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's his most pretentious. 
I do too, but in sort of a good way. No, exactly. I was I was definitely able to appreciate it because, like I said, I hated it the first time yep. around. That was years ago when I first watched it. I watched it again. I'm like really able to see kind of the intent behind it. Whether or not it totally accomplished it, I'm kind of on the fence about. But I definitely appreciate sort of the paranoia of the story that you don't notice the first time because you're expecting something completely different. Uh, you're expecting just a oh whimsical fun story oh moonrise kingdom let's go see the giant and the ogre or something like that total total about face when you think about the movie so you know as Jason explained it's these two young lovers who are like 12 years old and they look even younger than that honestly especially Sam yes He's a weird dude. I'm thinking Sam's. What are you, I'm thinking what he's are you 10 years old. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'm dropping nine. him down to 10. I thought he was 9. Let's drop him down to 9. Sure, why not? I'm cool with it. He's short it works. Are we going for 8? Do I see an 8 on the board? <laughs> Let's do it. He's 8. 8 he years could, old. A very, like a Lisa Simpson 8. Very, yeah. There you go. They yeah. sound smart, but they look 8. Yeah, yeah. And it's so weird to see this young couple like dancing it did, yeah. on the on the beach in the woods with no adult supervision yeah. and you see all the adults in this movie including Bruce Willis yep very smart casting i believe odd to- being odd, totally yeah, odd but i like them. totally out of their element they're totally not ready for this they never expected this to happen and it takes place in like the mid 1960s which i think is an interesting choice because that's a time associated with a lot of like revolutionary sort of uh ethos and and that definitely shows it's like that paranoia of what if the kids rebel what if there's nothing we can do about it what if it's our fault that's the most paranoid thing is that you see this this man's man bruce willis acting totally flustered he has no idea what to do and he's supposed to be this voice of authority i I believe he's like a sheriff right something like that yeah some sort of and then Children's parents aren't doing anything. They're not doing anything. Side, yeah. They're just an emotional wreck. Yeah. Uh, Ed Norton, the scoutmaster, has no idea what to do. Yeah. <laughs> He's just like, go find him, guys. Yeah. All the all the other uh, the scoutmasters, a young Lucas campers. Hedges. Did you know that? Whoa, really? Yeah. Uh huh. I was really I was really able to appreciate that paranoia and how it's sort of meant to disorient the audience. Unfortunately, just because of the nature of the filmmaker, I don't know if that comes across necessarily, you know? Yeah. Like, it's it's just so unexpected from Wes Anderson, and it's kind of hard to figure out. And it, and it just gets under your skin. I think a lot of people have said that, and I, it didn't get to me as much as other people, but I can see, like, yeah, I can see how this would get to people. You know, it's got the occasional quirky interludes. This is not totally derivative of everything that's come before it's got weird stuff it could flow a bit better yeah. yes definitely um i know people who love this movie and i know people who hate it and i get both yeah it's, i personally like it mm-hmm. but i understand why someone could absolutely hate it <laughs> yeah it is it is effective i think it's ambitious yeah. it's thought-provoking i'm really glad i i got to it again and it does speak to adults much more than kids yeah. like pretty much all wes anderson movies i think they're made for adults, but they're ostensibly like you know accessible to kids. Even though a lot of them have really risque material in them, uh, very whimsical, and so people kind of associate that with children's yeah. stuff. I remember this was in theaters, and uh, I was standing outside the theater, and, and I'm, I'm guessing that theater just got out because a bunch of people 
came out of the building talking about Moonrise Kingdom, every single person hated it. Yeah. Every person Everyone. who walked out of that was like, what? that wasn't funny. <laughs> all ages. All ages. All of them. Old. The opposite of old. Young. <laughs> the opposite Everything of old. in between. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, they didn't like it. It's kind of an enigma. I didn't like it when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's kind of an enigma of the movie. And I, and I can definitely appreciate that. Wouldn't say I loved it again, but yeah, I wouldn't say I loved it. Um, I definitely do have problems with it. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I I found it fun. I'd I'd rather watch a handful of other Wes Anderson movies before I watch that one. But Mm. if it's on, is this next one, one of them? Yes, it is. Let's talk about it. I believe it's my favorite. We're talking about the grand Budapest hotel. Monsieur Gustave. Uh, Excellent <laughs> pronunciation. Do that again. Uh, Monsieur Gustave uh, has been framed. His elderly lover, played by Tilda Swinton. Yep. And I, awesome. Okay, I love Tilda Swinton in every Wes Anderson movie she's been in. I'll talk about her more later. Okay. Uh, played by Tilda Swinton, has croaked. Has and the croaked. police think that Gustave is responsible. With the help of his new lobby boy, Zero, he sets out to find out the truth and recover the painting known as Boy with Apple. Ah, wonderful delivery, Jason. Thank so you're very, very positive on this movie. Yes. Oh, I love this movie. As are most people. I think it, aesthetically, it's best-looking one. Mm-hmm. I love every shot in this movie. Everything yeah. is beautiful. Yeah. The whole pink thing you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Just that, the, the like, miniature sets. Yeah, yeah. They're beautiful. The Mendel's chocolate boxes. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Jesus, you guys. Sir Sharon, get a room. <laughs> oh, we're in a room. A very we're echoey room. room. You're in here too, buddy. Uh-oh. <laughs> You're not getting get out anytime soon. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, to this day, this is hailed along with either Tenenbaums or Rushmore. This is it's what you will often see top people's lists. And I think it's easy to see why. Yeah. I, de- I don't agree, but I, I get it. I think this is probably the first or most heavily Wes Anderson. Yeah. Just I because think, he had, this is, I believe if I'm not mistaken, this is the only one so far where he has the sole writing credit. Yeah. Really? Yes. And I, I think Roman wasn't a part of this one. No, not this one. Probably why I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I liked it a lot. And I, I think um, why most people like this movie uh, real film nerd technical term here uh, it's like really the mise-en-scene yes the, this there is such a wonderful sense of unity throughout every single shot in this movie there's so much going on. it and all I, takes place it, in the same world it all makes sense in within the confines of this world and i think that's why people i think a lot of people have trouble understanding completely like, why does this movie make me feel this way? I think it's yeah, because yeah. of the unity. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because of the use of color and the charisma. The charisma of Ray Fine is Yeah, Ray awesome. Fine. Everyone's great. Like he was great. all the Ray Fines especially. Yeah. But every Jeff every Goldblum, single person, Jeff yeah. Goldblum, uh, uh, Willem, did you just Willem throw Defoe. Uh, uh, my cat out the window. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, Will, Willem, Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe as, this, as this steely assassin. 
I yeah. tried to crack my knuckles. He's got these brass knuckles and he yeah. has a little flask pocket in his yeah. jacket. Yeah. He was cool. On was a great. motorcycle. He has everything planned out one step ahead. I think I you got you got a, a montage of cameos later on. Oh, that's yeah. fun. Harvey Keitel shows up. Yep. <laughs> Harvey Keitel is this bald yeah. prisoner who's like, We're gonna get out of this joint. We forgot about the prison scene. Yeah. I like those. We gotta bust out of here sooner really rather than later. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. It is that unity, which is weird because it's it's one of those story within a story movies. It's kind of a Russian doll kind of premise. Yeah. I think there's like four layers to it. Mm-hmm. And in fact, Wes used multiple. Yeah, yeah. Wes used multiple aspect ratios to yeah. sort of achieve that effect. Mm-hmm. And they all have very different color palettes, but it somehow does feel all as a piece. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? And I think the main reason why this works for so many people and why it's so rewatchable, weirdly, is that it's it's Wes Anderson at his most melancholy. You know? It's 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 all about like memory and what was in such an understated but potent way. And I think most of that, honestly, is thanks to uh F. Murray Abraham, who provides the yeah. narration and the emotional core, honestly. Because he's, he's sort he's of crying in the first two minutes. In the first two minutes, yeah. F. Murray Abraham shedding a tear. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, it's 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 really solid, I think. It's just about like what's gone. And what will never come back and how it's kind of sad, you know, and this all like sort of crystallizes within like the last 10 minutes or something. And it leaves you with such a feeling of somberness and at the same time, joy that I think it really sticks with people because that's the last thing that happens in the movie. I think it's really potent. Uh, Again, structural flaws galore. My big problem with this movie is that it keeps cutting back to the really uninteresting murder mystery. Yeah, that's like oddly you'd think that would be the most interesting because usually the mystery part is why is the plot of movies, but not in this case. Yeah, Jason disagrees. I, yeah, I mean, I was I was fine with it. I didn't. I didn't. It's not so terrible. I just think yeah. it's distracting. I felt like, like it's it was, hard to follow. Which too. part? Like all the scenes with Ray Fiennes? Pretty much. No, not that necessarily, but just the plot. They're just going from point A to B to C to D. It just keeps going. I think and going. it's a fun it journey, but unraveling. It, it is See, a little it, bit. I felt no urgency. Again, like with Bottle Rocket, I didn't feel like they have to figure this out so he'll be clear. No, I, I never felt that. I felt. I kept getting the sense that it's all going to work out because everyone's... It's all going to work out because of the police officers. Bumbling idiots. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And, well, it's it's like... It's it's giving the characters a lot of busy work to do on the way to yeah. these really emotional scenes yes. that they're really wanting to focus on. Yes. And I think it definitely shows... Again, it's not all terrible. There's it, It's permeated with a lot of very fun side characters. Like, we mentioned a couple of them. Uh, Adrian Brody, we didn't mention, is this really yeah. vulgar, spoiled child. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to quote some of the lines, I, but, yeah, no, but was, we'd get taken down. Yes, <laughs> we would. <laughs> um, He's not a happy fellow. Not at all. He's well, very pointed. resentful. Pointed insults. Oh, well, how, is, how is that supposed to make me feel? <laughs> And just Ray Fiennes, it's like, I would love to see him work with Wes Anderson. They're oh, like yeah. a perfect they, fit. He was my favorite part. Yeah, honestly. And I really like Tony Revolori, too. He's very understated and doesn't have a he lot is. to do, but he's, he's sort of started. a presence throughout the whole movie and has and has a couple of big moments that he delivers on. The relationship with him and Saoirse Ronan could be a little better. Yeah. but uh, Personally, I think this is Wes's most funny. Like, part that uh, actually like makes me tear up from laughter is when... Uh, 
raise raise giving zero like a, a coin or something oh, to yeah. buy something and zero's hands just keep like <laughs> popping in and out of frame like it's such a it. it's such a long instruction it's so it's yeah. so goddamn funny it's I funny it. it's really well written um, it is a good script. It's a yeah. really, really good script. I'm so surprised it's not based off of anything. You know? yeah, yeah, this is totally just made up off the top of Wes Anderson's beautiful head, and it and it and it shows. I do think the balance in this movie is what Wes is always kind of striving for: humor and drama. Like the murder mystery. Besides that, I think I think it's good. I think it's it's good that he totally abandons all humor within the last 10 minutes. That's a really good kind of bold choice for him because yeah. it's not something you would expect from him. You'd, you'd expect some sort of silly joke in that epilogue, but there really isn't one. It's all somber and nice and lovely and, and wonderful. And it leaves you with just this warm feeling of humanity's goodness inside. Everyone loved this movie. Like it's, again, we mentioned it's one of my parents loved it. Wow. Whoa. That's a first. Jesus parent? Is they, it? They, mm, Mr. and Mrs. Reed? They they like stuff. They don't like a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so uh, surprising. It did stick with everyone, including the Academy. This yeah. is this guy. Yeah. Got Oscar nominations. Tons of Oscar nominations. Uh Wes's only nomination for Best Director. I'm like, you know what? Sure. Yeah. Why Makes not? Sense. Yeah. Uh, before we talk about Isle of Dogs, we do want to real quick mention Wes has done a lot of commercials, uh, like a good half dozen of them or so. And we want to focus on one in particular. Yes. Which is from 2016, the H&M commercial. I want to talk about this so that way I come across as less of a dick. <laughs> More or less. More yes. or less. You could have put it a little less bluntly. But nope. Okay. Because come I... together. Coming, discussing right. earlier movies, I don't come across very nice in this episode, but I want to... I want everyone to know I, I'm, it's not like I dislike some of the stuff just because they're Wes Anderson movies. You've done good at explaining why yeah. you yeah. think so. I loved this short. Mm-hmm. I thought this was the best commercial I've ever seen. Yeah. It's heartwarming. It's clever. It's yeah. funny. It's, it's, it's just this to the point. It feels like, you know, it's, it feels like a Wes Anderson story. It's got, you know, when it, it tracks along the cars of the train, you <laughs> see all the could be characters. Yeah. I'd see a full length movie. And it stops on Adrian Brody of all people. Yeah. And it's just really minimalist and really charming. It's yes. fun to watch. It's, it's like four minutes long. Yeah, really. it's great. It's, I think that's probably why I like it so much. I have it short. It was awesome. I have no idea what H&M sells, but clothing, I think. Okay. Probably. I, I'm going to get it, Wes. <laughs> but and then it's got that wonderful ending yeah. and it's heartwarming and yep. it's got a John Lennon Christmas song which you can't go wrong with it's hard to do made me smile yeah definitely that's all that's all it needed to do just yeah, makes yeah. people smile just a little quick four minutes of charm exactly thanks Wes I loved it yeah it's my favorite thing he's done <laughs> easily so real quick uh, just to round this out me and Jason saw Isle of Dogs barely I mean, busy. Yeah. not a lot of places around here. No. Um, we won't go into too much detail because uh, John and Maverick already covered it a couple weeks ago on the main Cinemaholic show. So let's just just spend like a couple of seconds on it. What were some of your general thoughts? On uh, this? I, I was kind of disappointed by it. Yeah, to me too. Honest, I thought it was really convoluted and boring. Yeah, I thought so too. Most people are loving it. So clearly Most we're people just, are loving we're it. just sticks in the mud. You know, it's, it's fun. Yeah. I, I love the... The animation's good. Oh, animation's beautiful. Mm-hmm. If you like Fantastic Mr. Fox, you'll love this. I like the dynamic between the, the main group of dogs. 
Yeah. Uh, I love Jeff Goldblum, the yeah. hearsay dog. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, did you hear the, uh, the, the rumor? The rumor that uh, so-and-so is, is doing you-know-what to so-and-so. <laughs> where, where do you get these rumors? Oh, you don't want to know. I listen. People talk, I listen. Because my ears prick up at every opportunity. Yeah, yeah I think I think they were great. Um, the, the the setting of of in Japan is absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there was a lot to look at there. Um, yeah, it's part of this later stage Darjeeling onwards that sort of takes place in a lot of exotic locales, mm-hmm. sort of uh, going around the globe. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a fun time, but yeah, I honestly got very bored in the middle. I was kind of just. Funny. I was oh, yeah. kind of just going along with it yeah. at times. If you like Wes Anderson, you will like this. Tilda Swinton's character almost made me cry at one point. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> I won't tell you anything else about it. Yeah, I love the core emotional relationship between. Um, oh, between Brian Atari Cranston Dog and, and Atari, Atari Kobayashi. That was yeah. That was beautiful. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but just, Brian Cranston was great. Yeah. Just He's plot really wise, great. I thought it's, it's just kind of hard to follow. It and was because there were so many flash forwards or flat. I mean, flashbacks. Yeah. And even just within the present, though, it's like so many things are happening yeah. at the same time. Yeah. There's there's a lot going on in it, and I was just honestly kind of bored. Yeah. With with most of it. And also, I I did make sure to keep in mind that like uh, this was immediately following a incessant marathon. <laughs> of Wes Anderson. So I think I was kind of exhausted at that point. So I, I kind of am eager to see it again, like a couple of weeks from now. Yeah. I'm just to make sure see it again, overall kind of, kind of down the middle. It, uh, looks, it looks amazing. Tentatively. I think it looks better than fantastic. They spent more um, time on it. Yeah. So that might be part of well, it. the lights. Yeah. Of like of, of, of Japan. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was just yeah, I was kind of disappointed by it. I don't think it's bad. I'd probably give it like a six or seven out of ten. Okay, six point five if I could do that. Yeah, yeah. wonderful. Uh, all right, we're we're going a little over time, so real quick, let's give some of our closing thoughts on Wes Anderson in general. It's clear to why see why he's such a prevalent Definitely. filmmaker. Definitely, for better or worse, it's what he does. What he, no one like him. What he puts out yeah. is just so different from everything else that you know that. Rest assured, you see a Wes Anderson movie, it'll be interesting. Yes. Whether or not it's good or bad, for better or worse, it, it's not like something else you've seen. Unless yes, you've yeah. seen any other Wes Anderson movie. Um, he's found what he's good at, and he's sticking with it, which, you know, okay, why not? People's, people really seem to like it. Why change? Uh, he's sort of experimenting sometimes, but he doesn't really stray too far. So it sort of creates this zone of comfort with the audience, I think. And if you like that, you're in luck. It can be exhausting in rapid succession, as I know from firsthand experience. But yeah, personally, I'm generally generally positive on Wes Anderson. They're, the movies are easy to watch, weirdly. They're not, yeah. they're not terribly long yeah, they, for the most part. Which I appreciated. Uh, and they all have lots. He, I don't think he has a single one over two nope. hours. Life Aquatic is an hour 59, so yeah. right, right yeah. on the verge. Yeah. Uh, and he has lots of good ideas. He's not just making, you know, generic stories. There's intent behind them. He doesn't always deliver on that intent, but I think it's always there. Uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much why, uh, my thoughts. Who wants to go next? Uh, well, my general thoughts are that uh, I'm not as positive. Okay. But I again, I definitely get why people like him. I understand completely. I just don't. 
Um, <laughs> not everybody likes everybody. Yeah. Can't be all things to all people. Yeah. I can appreciate that. I, I don't find most of his movies to be very entertaining or that enjoyable, but they are very well crafted. Mm-hmm. And that I can certainly appreciate. Yeah. He's an easy filmmaker to appreciate. Yes. Jason. Yeah. Um, it, he's just the most unique director I've ever seen. Like I, I can compare he's up there for sure. I, I think he is. Cause I can find a comparison <laughs> between every other director. Yeah, like yeah. I can, I can be like, Oh, this person's kind of similar to that. I can't really find anyone. Actually, no one even Noah. tries to copy Wes Anderson's student films. No, well, Bombach yeah. sort of reminds me of him a bit, but not really. And, uh, he co-wrote with, uh, life aquatic, Nolan? And and Fantastic Mr. Fox, yes, Noah Baumbach. I really should have mentioned that, but yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, they're they're one. They're yeah, cut from of, the same cloth. Some of Noah's like weirder titles, I guess I could compare a bit to Wes Anderson, but that's still a stretch. I I I just think there's no one like him. Mm-hmm. If I had free time, I'd probably choose someone else's movies over his, but. <laughs> they're still great. They're still great. Oh yeah. So that's our conversation. Hopefully, it wasn't too. Exhausting. <laughs> you want to do the recommendation? Uh, yeah, we're going to do that real quick. Uh, but first, just uh, we, we want to know, what do you think of Wes Anderson? And what did you think of our discussion in general? Do you agree? Do, we, do you disagree? There's a lot to talk about, so we'd like to have a, have a discussion. So let us know over at johnnegroni.com. Just find the page for this episode and leave a comment. Or you can email us at a A-T-A-I-G podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. That's where you can send us fan letters, and we'll read them and respond to them. And it'll be, it'll be fun, I hope. Uh, <laughs> so yes, real quick before we go, Jason, you have something to, it's to recommendation to time, shout people. out for us now. Er, all right. I'm going elevator. The gallows. You guys are watching it. Okay. That's yep. the one. Yep. I can't wait. Yep. <laughs> but lovely movie. Lovely movie. About two lovers just trying to be together and they got to do some stuff. That's mm. all I'll say. Sounds like you're being vague for a reason. Because a lot of stuff happens in the first couple minutes of the movie, and I don't want to say anything about it. Because okay. I well, prefer you just to see it. We'll have to find out, and we'll get back to you next time, unless you harshly disapprove of this segment, which we will be welcome to, because we don't want to put out, put out uh, uninteresting content. So anyways, that's all we got for this episode. I'm Sam. I'm Andrew. I'm Jason. And we'll see you next time.